What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Nate's Night at the Movie podcast. Now, we are starting to get into serious Christmas coverage now. I mean, obviously, I've done a couple already, but now for the next month, it's only Christmas. (laughs) But it might not be all classics. It might go off the rails a little bit. And, well, we're going to start off with Krampus. Krampus? Krampus. I don't know. However you want to pronounce it, we're starting off with that film, the 2015 horror comedy starring Tony Collette and Adam Scott, directed by Michael Doherty. Now, I had only watched part of this movie before I watched it today for the pod, and I have to say, now horror movies, (laughs) they go from like, decently good to like very bad very cringy not worth the time and like i've heard mixed things about this film so i wasn't sure what i was getting myself into fully and i won't spoil how i feel until the end so let's just start off at the top of it so this movie opens playing classic christmas music but what's a little bit different is we're not having like a normal shopping like pre-Christmas deal. We're having a Black Friday, violent, trampling people, tasering people kind of moment. And right away, we're kind of setting up the fact that this movie is going to have like kind of classical Christmas feels, but at the same time, it's going to be a little darker. And we get to the main family and their son Max is in like a Christmas play or pageant of some kind. And he is getting in a fist fight with one of the other boys and the family has to go and break it up. So right off the bat, a little bit different from what you would see in other Christmas movies. Um, I will say this movie is PG 13, which for horror, that can mean it's like dumbed down a little bit. It's not as like violent. So we are at the main family's house where most of this movie is taking place. Adam Scott's mom is there. She only speaks German, or at least it seems that way at this point. Um, The family is kind of chastising Max for getting into a fight. Their daughter is like kind of boy crazy, and she's obviously picking on her little brother, like the normal kind of expected family stereotypes. Now, kind of like the Griswolds in Christmas Vacation, they're going to have some of their extended family staying with them for Christmas. The daughter is not too excited about it because last time her uncle and aunt's dog pooped on her bed. She really doesn't want to spend time with these people. And when they arrive, you kind of understand why. Now, they definitely make an effort to make it seem like Tony Collette and Adam Scott's family is like liberal and... This other family is more Republican, but, and they do have like stereotypical, like far right Republican vibes, but definitely not any representation of um, conservatives uh, that I've experienced personally. So politics aside, this is definitely going to be comedic in a couple different ways. They're, they're going to play on tropes that are based on political lines and what you would say are extreme examples of it, not necessarily normal, typical people. So right off the bat, my first thoughts about grandma. Now she only speaks German, which is fine, but she has a mixture of like being kind of sweet, but also sketchy at the same time. And that is something you pick up right away. And they don't take too long to introduce the extended family into the mix. Like with Christmas vacation, you have a decent amount of time before 
like some of the extended family arrives and initially it's just the grandparents and then it's like cousins and stuff. So they like build it with family members. But with this, like pretty much within, I think it's like the first 20 minutes of the film, everyone's already there. Everyone's arrived. We have um, this woman who was in Why Women Kill season two. That's where I know her from. I know she's been in some other TV shows, but she's actually a pretty good actress. Like, she's pretty good at the generic mom, but also a little bit of crazy, maybe, (laughs) mixed in. Like, she does that very well. And we also have Todd Packer from The Office. So, he kind of of plays, like, very similar characters in everything I've seen him in. He's very obnoxious, very over-the-top, crude humor, like, all that. And that's what he is in this film, too. They also have multiple kids. They have twin girls that look are dressed like boys. Um, they have a baby girl. They have a son who his only attribute is that he eats a lot. <laughs> and that's it. So we have the family. And we have Aunt Dorothy, who is judgmental. Aunt Dorothy is not happy because Tony Collette and her family haven't been visiting her in the trailer park. And she... Has, she has some funny one-liners, like they're decent. Not There's definitely some that don't land, but one of her first lines is she walks through the house and she's like, well, it looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. So that, that was decent, decent judgment. So at dinner this night, um, Max had written a letter to Santa with his Christmas list, and um, his cousins, the twins, have stolen it, and they're not only going to read it, but they're going to read it out loud for the whole family. And what we find out is he's wishing that he would connect with his older sister like they used to when they were younger, that she would play with him and hang out with him. And he wishes that their that his parents would get along better, and even that his aunt and uncle and their family would be blessed with different things during the holidays. So it's a very, very sweet letter. Like, It's not, he's not asking for toys in any way. It's mostly his relationship with his family and like benefits to other people. So this is a really sweet kid. And obviously he's very upset by the fact that his cousins read it out loud. Oh, one thing to add, he ends the letter that his uncle wanted boys, which is why the twins dress like boys all the time. So Max, in his anger, goes off to his room. Um, Adam Scott goes up to kind of talk things out with him. And I'm not that big of a fan of Adam Scott. I liked him in Parks and Rec. But aside from that, I feel like he's always just kind of needy, geeky guy. This is the first time I've seen him in like a parental role. And this first scene where it's just him and the son, like, I think the son understands the assignment a little bit more than Adam Scott. There's times when he's talking in this scene where he's almost like a cyborg, like he doesn't feel like a real person. And thankfully, like that is something that I have a problem with now. But throughout the film, I like Adam Scott as his acting in this film way better as time goes on, especially toward the end. Like he does very well. And I always thought he was kind of like robotic when he was on Parks and Rec too. That might just be kind of a like a thing he does, but. Right now, at the beginning, you I definitely notice it more. So after having this conversation with his dad, um, Max decides he's going to rip up the letter to Santa and throw it out the window. 
and it magically flies into the sky. And then right after a storm comes, a blizzard, things are getting dark and cold and creepy very quickly. Now, through the interactions with the family, you can kind of tell that Tony Collette and her sister kind of have a rough relationship. Like they have moments where they reminisce and are kind of sweet to each other. And then they're also bitey toward each towards each other so i mean in a lot of movies there's like a lot of passive aggressiveness and that sometimes this family is very much direct and aggressive aggressive like very much you know you shouldn't do that you're a terrible person this is why like very direct todd packer makes fun of adam scott for being an eagle scout and todd packer's like you know he's a far right gun owner kind of hunter lives in the middle of nowhere farmland um, his brother, I know they talk about his brother owning a pig farm and they had the option of going to Tony Collette's house or his brother's house. So they decided on going to the nicer place. <laughs> so there's a lot of like small rifts that this family kind of just puts up with during the holiday season. So since the power is out, the sister who has a boyfriend, um, she can't text him. And she's a little concerned, so she, her parents agree to let her walk a couple blocks to check on her boyfriend. Now, you would think that with the power being out, the roads being so messed up, they'd probably think this is a bad idea. But Adam Scott is kind of like, you know what, we should trust her more. And that clearly is not the best decision. <laughs> because as she's walking, she can barely see. And when she reaches her boyfriend's house, she sees a creepy figure on the roof. And I will say, straight off the bat, so this is our first introduction to Krampus. He's legit creepy. And I think the fact is that you can't see his face. He's quick moving. He has demon claw hands. He has hooves. He has horns coming out. Like, he is a legit creepy character. And the daughter kind of runs and hides under a truck. When she's hiding under the truck, she sees the electrician is, like, frozen solid. Um, she hides under the truck, but it doesn't help her very long because Krampus finds her and takes her. So sister is not in much of this movie. We'll just say that. Leading up to the sister being taken, you can even hear like whip sounds in the background. And I was like, I don't know if Krampus is really like connected to like whips and stuff. But I was like, is Belschnickel nigh? Like, is he involved in this too? Because I'd be curious what would happen with a Belschnickel movie? I mean, we have the Dwight representation, but if we're going with folklore, like, who knows what we could do. But Krumpus doesn't appear to have any whips, just a lot of change that he uses throughout this film. Now, it is unclear at this point when Krumpus takes someone, if they die, because presumably Krumpus killed the electrician. But also, most people, you don't actually... Actually, I don't think you see anyone being killed really in this film. Everyone just kind of gets taken. And that kind of motivates the other characters to go after them. So it's unclear as to whether people are dying or if they're being put somewhere. So we go back to the house. Tony Collette and Adam Scott are not worried about their daughter because she's supposed to be at her boyfriend's house. And they're like, it's probably okay. But Adam Scott and Packer decide to go after her and look for her. So they take Packer's truck and they drive it out into the snow and grandma kind of warns against it. So clearly right off the bat, grandma knows what's going on, but she doesn't warn her family. She's just kind of like, you know, you should stay here. 
She doesn't give her a reason why. She's just like, you know, no, you should stay here. It's smart. We need to keep the fire hot and just stay put. But they don't listen. So they go looking for the daughter. So as they're looking for the daughter, um, they hear some noises and Packer reveals he has some guns in his trunk and they use those to go with them. And as they're looking through like a little bit of a wooded snowy area, Packer kind of gets sucked into the ground and he gets bitten by something, but we don't see what it is. And Adam Scott, who presumably hasn't used a gun ever, is able to shoot at this creature and scare it off. And he's able to rescue Packer. And because he has a serious wound, like they decide that, okay, they need to regroup at the house. They're going to walk back and figure things out later. But they know something seriously wrong is going on because there's a creature that is kind of like tremors, like <laughs> the worms underground, kind of like that, um, that bit packer and <laughs> it left a serious mark. When they get back, they start bandaging up Packer's leg. Grandma reminds them we need to keep the fireplace hot, which is a continuous thing because it goes along with the folklore of Krampus. And we see her in the kitchen looking at the knives. So she's preparing for something that, again, her family might do better at dealing with the situation if they knew what was going on, if she tried to even explain it to them. The family decides the best decision is to board up the house. So they board up the windows. They put boards behind the doors. Max voices some concerns about thing, but once again, they ignore him, even though now the nice thing is like most people in this family don't speak German aside from Adam Scott, Tony Collette and their kids. So Max has a special connection with his grandma. So he gets a sense that something weird is going on that other people aren't privy to that other people don't believe him about when he mentions his concerns. They decide that either Packer or Adam Scott is going to stay up and keep watch overnights. And Packer is supposed to be awake, but he doesn't. And while they're asleep, everyone's asleep in the living room together, the fire goes out, which is not good because when the fire goes out, there's the opportunity to go down the fire, go down the chimney without any risk of injury for creatures that may have ill intent. So a hook appears in the fireplace, and on this hook, there's a gingerbread man. And Krumpus kind of jingles his bells a little bit on the hook, and you can't tell it's Krumpus, but presumably it is him. And the kid that his only reason to be there is to eat food, he is drawn to the gingerbread man. He takes a bite out of it, and something that you might not expect, the gingerbread man is alive. <laughs> He's living... He screams, he attacks the little boy and starts wrapping him in the chains on the hook. And the boy starts getting pulled up the chimney, but that wakes the whole family. They start pulling him, trying to rescue him, but it's to no avail because the gingerbread man is able to scare Tony Collette, who lets go of her nephew and he get he gets taken completely. So now... The whole family is very aware of a present danger. No one can really say anymore that everything's fine. Someone just got dragged up the chimney. That's not normal. I just want to pause for a moment here. And Tony Collette is the probably the closest to seeing what happens. So she is visibly shaken. And she is honestly really good at playing trauma as an actor. That's true in Hereditary. That's definitely true here. Like 
there are ways that this movie definitely would not work if they didn't have like a serious dramatic actor in here because most of the family members are comedic. Um, they might do dramatic things too, but I see them as more comedians, but Tony Collette really does ground this film so that there is a seriousness to the danger and the impact it's going to have on the family. Other things happen when people lose Christmas spirit, but not only in this folklore does Santa's power diminish, but Krampus comes instead to punish the people who lose the Christmas spirit. So it's like you have an either or option. I would choose the big man in the red suit, honestly. Now, even though grandma is being honest about what's happening, Packer does not believe her because it is kind of strange. So at this point, we kind of hit the like kind of quieter part of the film where the four parents are planning on what they need to do next. Tony Collette's sister is rewrapping presents um, for the kids. The kids are kind of hanging out. But no one's really watching the kids closely, and the twin girls are exploring the house, and they hear voices calling their names from the attic, so they go up to explore. Soon after they go up, the parents hear screams, which something's going on, so the parents rush up into the attic, and we have, <laughs> up until this point, we've seen, like, Krampus and, like, a, his shadowy self running around in the background of things, um, and that's very creepy. But we have some pretty funny and also creepy creatures that we're going to deal with in this heightened scene that we're about to go into. So we have gingerbread men that are attacking Packer in the kitchen. And he's kind of shooting at them with a gun, but they have a staple gun, so they're firing back. And then in the attic, um, as Tony Collette, Adam Scott, and Tony's sister um, get up there, they see that this long snake jester thing that kind of makes sounds like like a demogorgon is like swallowing one of the twins and it's like a long tube thing and they're shocked for good reason they're gonna go after it but this snake jester thing is not alone because there's like this bird doll thing that attacks Co tony collette and there's like a teddy bear with like that's like a, a piranha basically that's going to attack Tony's sister and then Adam Scott gets attacked by a robot. So there's all kinds of like these carnivorous murderous toys that are going to attack them and try to prevent them from stopping the snake thing from escaping. The family is really struggling. Things are looking bleak and Tony Collette's sister notices that one of the twins is laying on the ground. So one of the twins was not taken. She's just unconscious so she gets this mama bear strength and starts taking out the toys one after another, knocking them out, pushing them away. They aren't unfortunately able to catch the snake before it gets away with um, one of the twins, but they are able to stop it from taking the other. So they have this dog that belongs to Packer and his wife, and the dog has proven all of a sudden to be very useful. It eats some of the gingerbread men, it goes into the air vents to scare out the snake, and they believe they're going to get the one of the twins back. But that's when they're kind of attacked again by these toy creatures. And Aunt Dorothy also proves to be useful because she goes all Annie Oakley on them, shooting them left and right. But they're quickly overwhelmed by the fact that there's a bunch of evil elves that burst through their wall. And they take Aunt Dorothy, they take the baby girl, 
Hacker's on top of the snake thing, trying to get his daughter back, and all of them get taken except for Max, the leftover twin, Tony, Tony's sister, and Adam Scott. So our family has gone down by numbers quite a bit, and Grandma, Grandma's still there too. So the remaining family members decide the best thing to do is for them to leave the house and try to reach one of the abandoned vehicles on foot. As the family leaves the house, Grandma locks them out, boards the door, and she decides to stay behind to face Krumpus because the fire has gone out and they all know Krumpus is there. This is when we get a moment where Krumpus comes down the chimney. You see this creepy demon claws and hooves and horns and... This seems really scary, but then you see his face, and that was honestly disappointing to me because I wanted him to be scarier than he was. He basically looked like he had a mask that was like a Santa Claus mask, so he had a, like a beard. He had all of his creepy features aside from that, but like he wasn't as scary as I wanted him to be. Grandma stares him straight in the face. She is had enough. She... She watches him. She's fearful, but she doesn't say anything. He reproaches her. He opens up his sack, and a whole bunch of crazy toys fly out and presumably kill Grandma. The family is trying to make a run for it, but Grandma's attempts did not last very long because there is a creature coming underground again, coming after them. Adam Scott shoots at it, stops it for a moment, but then it gets Adam Scott, pulls him underground. They reach the vehicle. Max gets in. The twin sister gets in. Um, but unfortunately, Tony Collette's sister, who I thought for sure, I thought Tony Collette's sister and her were gonna make it, but they don't because they both get taken here one after another. Tony Collette kind of doesn't fight it. She just lets it take her so that I guess presumably her kid gets away, but also how's the kid supposed to drive away? Like you left two children that are probably no older than like 13 left alone to drive a vehicle. I mean, I guess you can't think too much in a moment like this, but it doesn't last. They're, they're not free at this point because the elves catch up to them. They take the remaining twin. So Max is kind of left by his own. So Max decides to follow Krumpus and his minions because it's only him. He's determined to do something about it. He has this moment where he's facing off against Krampus. He's yelling at him. Krumpus has given Max his crumpled up, torn up letter to Santa, and he leaves Max behind. And then Max finds them again, kind of all around this fire. And Max says, you know what? I take it back. You know, Max had made a wish that like Christmas would be different, but, and that presumably brought Krumpus to them. But Max is taking it back. He chucks a bell at him. The ground cracks open and opens up, and they have the twin cousin still there. He says, no, I'll make you a deal. If you take me, just let my whole family come back. I know you have the power to do that. Just have me instead. And there's a it's a very sweet moment. You know, he's crying. This kid actor is actually really good. And you think for a moment, it's like, you know what, this is what the movie's building to. Krampus is recognize that now he has a Christmas spirit. He's going to give Max what he wants. But all of these creatures start like laughing to each other. They throw the twin in the ground, in the giant hole in the ground. They throw Max into, and 
I'm glad they did this because I was like, I was going to be very frustrated if everything just reset here. Like, that's all he needed to do this whole time. But no, um, he wakes up and um, it seems like it's going to be like a screwed scenario where everything was either a dream or it really did happen. You're kind of left to determine that yourself. But he goes downstairs at his house. The whole family is there, but something feels off. Like, visually, you can tell there's something weird going on, like, It's kind of slightly blurred. Lighting is warm. And they're all celebrating Christmas as a family. Things seem almost normal. But as a viewer, you can see that it's off. And then Max opens a present. And it's a bell that says Krumpus on it. And Max's memories of what happened all come rushing back. And it seems to do the same for his extended family too. Like they know something's wrong all of a sudden. And then we zoom out on the family and we see that they're inside of a snow globe in Krumpus's workshop. So we're kind of left to wonder, is Krumpus, has he taken all of them and put them in a snow globe? Is he just watching over them like Santa does? Like, what is going on? A lot of this is kind of up to interpretation. Ideally, I think what I would like to think is like he... Now, you could also kind of think that They're in like some sort of purgatory scenario where they're just trapped somewhere. I guess if it's a snow globe thing. I don't know. I definitely like it better than everything being reset kind of like a Christmas Carol scenario. I definitely like that they did this weird twist at the end. I kind of like the idea that Krumpus kind of takes family members and then keeps them in a snow globe as like prisoners that they don't know. They don't realize that they're prisoners. So I guess they're kind of like an endless in an endless Christmas scenario. I don't know. I'm definitely going to be listening to some podcasts to see what other people think about it because it's a very interesting ending. So this movie on Rotten Tomatoes got a 66% by critics and 51% from the audience, which I thought was like criminally low for a horror film. Like there's, there's other, there's like some good horror films, but I actually really like this. I was surprised how much I like this because there are moments that are legitimately scary to me. Like, I've seen enough horror that some stuff just doesn't scare me anymore. It's just, I've been desensitized to it, but I thought like Krumpus as a character was really scary. Um, Obviously I wish that the face was scarier, but like for PG 13 horror film, like I thought it was legit and I'm going to give it an 8.0 out of 10. Like I'm going to rate it pretty high, even though I'm specifically comparing it to other horror movies in my head. So it's, It's definitely at the better end of horror movies, in my personal opinion. But if you compare it to other movies in general, then maybe it would be knocked down a little bit. But I thought it was, I thought it was really good, surprisingly good. And it took me a little while to see it. And I, (laughs) I'm glad I did because it was definitely worth the time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Nate's Night at the Movie Podcast. And I'll catch you next time. (laughs) 